morning and happy Saturday, you guys. It is Amanda and Barron with Kicking Cancer Cares on KSLM Radio, 104.3 FM and 1220 AM. And our huge sponsors for this first half of our show is Oddmo's Pizza. If you guys are looking for something to eat tonight, Oddmo's is definitely your go-to selection. I highly recommend the Green Monster and those potato poppers, as you guys know. And Mark Creamer with Family Heritage Northwest. Mark is an exclusive agent with Globe Life, the Family Heritage Division, where they protect families from the financial devastation of cancer and other serious illnesses. Mark can be reached at 503 341 4345 or on his website at familyheritagenw.com. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Well, we have a small crowd in studio today, don't we? We do. We should introduce our guests. Absolutely. So the listeners have heard us talk a lot about Ozzy. Mm-hmm. Um, his parents are here. So if you guys want to do John and Tyler, Hello. Just say hi. <laughs> hi, guys. Thanks for supporting us and our family. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to get a lot more into what's going on with Ozzy and here in a little bit. But just a real quick recap from oh, last week. Yeah. I brought you an interesting story from last week. Remember I told you I went down to the Arizona in January 2020 and oh. I did the, the rock and roll run? Yeah. Um, I, I did that run just because I was going to do it anyway, but we talked about Marissa who had gone back into the fight again with cancer. And so I, I was doing miles for Marissa. But the update I thought I would bring you from Arizona... There's someone you know in Arizona. Brenda! <laughs> so Brenda sent me a text, and I said, let's give the listeners an idea of what's going on. She said, the surgery was it, the, the surgery two months behind me now. Yep. I am working to gain strength in my arms again and starting to employ more exercise routines to strengthen my arms in preparation for the November Spartan Race. <gasps> Go, Brenda, go. Wow. That is awesome. She's, Good she, for her. She's right back at it. That's um, how, That makes my heart happy because I know that's what makes her heart happy as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brenda and I decided to start a 30-day planking challenge on April 1st. Okay. So she says, I'm doing a 30-day planking challenge to increase my core strength and I'm increasing my push-ups daily. Again, the left side was where they did the cut to get the cancer out. So right. she's trying to get that body strength back. Absolutely. In order to keep myself in a positive mindset, it is important to me to do my daily self-care routine. And daily movement is part of that. Mm-hmm. So she's, uh, she's doing she's good. She's moving and grooving. She is. I love it. If you don't use it or you lose it. That's exactly. Right. Yeah. That's right. That is very true. The other update I thought was bringing interest for you is <clears throat> Polar Plunge has their final numbers in. Okay. You're, you're, you're pointing like you have something to say. Uh, <laughs> I have a check. Oh, <laughs> Jessica Carpenter will gladly take that. Okay, from you. perfect. <laughs> so we can add your check to the number I'm going to tell you. All right. Again, the polar plunge was for all of Oregon. Oregon as a whole raised 483000 Wow. $338 for Special Olympics. That's amazing. That's, that's super cool. That's a lot of money. Yeah, Holy that's super smokes. cool. Way to rally behind this cause, you guys. Good job, Oregon. Well, Portland was number one, which kind of stands to reason. Corvallis, which was one of the plunges I did, mm-hmm. Corvallis came in number two with $70,540 raised. Wow. And Salem came in number three. And how many were there total? Total plunge, it was uh, seven plunges. Okay, that's awesome. Eugene and Bend and Medford, and I think it was one on the coast. Mm-hmm. But 
But Salem came in number three out of all those plunges. That's awesome. And what is amazing is, remember, four days for the plunge, mm-hmm. we were at $42,000. Yeah, yeah. We came in with 65000 Wow. $108 raised. That's amazing. So now I have a really quick question. Did you do a team for yourself in Corvallis? No, I, I didn't raise money in Corvallis, but my company, Surpro, sponsored oh, both okay. of them. Yep. Uh, so I, it was kind of funny. In Corvallis, I put on one of their hazmat suits, mm-hmm. the Surpro oh. hazmat suit. <laughs> yeah. And theirs is actually into the river. Oh, burr. No. Take the river over the... I would guarantee anyone, take the river over that, po- that pool. That's what I was told, that it was colder than Wisconsin. Oh. Well. Uh, <laughs> iced over lake. I like swear I was told that. Think about it. It's like a cup. Yeah, yeah. A cup. <laughs> Well, the thing with the river is, yeah, you're going down a boat dock into the Willamette, but the Willamette's moving. So the movement warms the water a little bit. Okay, yeah. And you can go to your ankles, your knees. You don't have to go all the way in. See, I don't think I could without jumping. I I, I would touch my toes and be like, oh, yep, okay. I came, I saw, I conquered. Right. right. <laughs> Except what you and I did, there was no choice. You no. were all the way in the water. Yeah. So I will tell you that Salem is, I did both. Salem is a lot harder, it's colder. Because you're all the way in the water. Yeah, so it's more of a challenge. I love it. Well, and the thing I thought to say was I got to hold your hand. <laughs> you had to, or I probably wouldn't have jumped. <laughs> so next time you should just do like a polar plunged bungee. Oh, oh there you go. Dunk ya, dunk ya, dunk ya. Surprise you a couple times. Well, but... you know, as fast as she got out, I think there was a bungee cord attached to Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> she was in and out. <laughs> yeah, not my thing. I don't swim. I can't swim. I don't like water. Freezing cold doesn't do well with me. Yeah. Well, I did the first polar plunge last year, and it really ties in to why these people are still with us. But um, Michael Brown, mm-hmm. at four years old, had gotten brain cancer. Yeah. And to get the cancer out, he had to go through chemo and there. So he just had his 35th birthday. That's amazing. But mentally, he's about 14. Mm-hmm. So he qualifies for Special Olympics. Yeah. Right? And he loves Yay. to golf, loves to play basketball. So I just thought as one nonprofit to another, it would be really good to support them. Absolutely. So it goes I, to I, a great cause. And it makes it change it makes a difference. Oh yeah. It's a huge impact in, in the, their lives. Well huge. You, you saw the kids that were out yeah. there when we were jumping. Mm-hmm. So, exactly. So I want to give you a little update on that as well. That's awesome. That's good. And I had to bring you a recipe. Okay. But I thought this would be kind of fun because I know that John and Shiloh have some kids at their house. Okay. Besides just Ozzy. All right. So this is from our plant-based diet book. This is an apple pie smoothie. Oh, I'm in. Whoa, that <laughs> um, sounds whoa, tasty. right? Apple <laughs> pie <laughs> smoothie, <laughs> right? Okay. It says, this smoothie is great for a quick breakfast or a cool dessert. It's a combination of sweet apples and warming cinnamon is sure to win over children and adults alike. If the holidays find you in a warm area, this smoothie may just be the cool treat you've been looking for to take the place of pie at dessert time. Mm-hmm. And a fork. And a yeah. fork, <laughs> right? So here's our ingredients. You've got two crisp apples. You cut them into one-inch cubes. Then you put two cups of your plant-based milk, almond milk, coconut milk, something along those lines. A cup of ice, a tablespoon of maple syrup, that's your Sweetener. sweetener, a teaspoon of cinnamon, and a teaspoon of vanilla. Oh, okay. Pretty simple recipe. Yeah. Right, you can do that. Right? Super. 
So in a blender, you put the apples, the milk, the ice, the, the maple syrup, the cinnamon, the vanilla. You blend it for about two minutes, and you pour it in cups and drink it. Okay. That Just sounds, like that. And that sounds phenomenal. High smoothie. Yes. I do a uh, peanut butter cinnamon milkshake at home Ooh. that's like similar, but it's got, you know. The ice cream, the milk, <laughs> the peanut butter, the cinnamon. All the good stuff. Still right. sounds good. All the good stuff. It is phenomenal. Well, the listeners can't see this right now. but Bob, I'm taking your picture. Bob, we got your back, man. <laughs> taking a picture of the recipe. So, again, the listeners can email Amanda at... Amanda at kslm.news. And you can get a copy of this recipe if you want. Yeah, shoot me an email and I'll get you uh, the picture sent right over. So I want to walk you through an interesting timeline to get up to why these two people are in the studio. Okay. It was February 2020, and I had done one of our educational clinics in Corvallis. As I was coming back from that clinic, I stopped at this networking group in Albany, and this gal comes up to me. She had seen me around Albany and was just like, you know, it's really cool what you're doing. So she showed me a picture of her leg, and you almost couldn't see any muscle. She battles muscular dystrophy mm-hmm. and multiple sclerosis. Oh. She had already beaten cervical cancer. Jeez. And she has what's called high white cell disease, which means she was borderline blood cancer. Oh, wow. So she became our go team for quarter three of 2020. Okay. After, and I'll tell her story in a future episode. But when we finished that, she wanted to pay it forward. So she sent me a message and said, I have a really good friend named Jennifer Beaumont, whose story we've told a few times now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Beautiful woman. You know her well. <laughs> so Jennifer Beaumont had just gotten her diagnosis the first time with lung cancer. So we began organizing something. Again, that's when COVID hit really hard. So the first thing we did for Jennifer was the drive-by. And then Jennifer thought she had lung cancer beat. It comes back. We did the we did the flash mob for Jennifer. Yep. But on March the 28th, which was just a few days ago, mm-hmm. but last year, right? Oh, yeah. Jennifer wanted to pay it forward. Okay. So I get this email about a little boy named Ozzy Brown. And that's how it started. That's how it started. She connected me with a lady in Albany named Sally. Sally May was how I was. I thought her last day that was. Sally Aguilar, another beautiful woman. Yeah. So that connects you to how I found. But how do you guys know Sally? Do you want to? So her husband was, he went to school with me. Okay. And, and me. And yeah. well, and you too. Well, <laughs> so so school. you he was guys, in my class. <laughs> you guys both went to Cascade High School? Yeah, we're childhood sweethearts. Okay. 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 And they were like best friends. So so Sally's husband and John were best friends. Mm-hmm. So when, when Ozzy got the diagnosis, which was earlier in March, Sally just wanted to help. Sally's always been a person that just wants to help. Well, yeah, here, when... here's the amazing connection, Amanda, is John... Went to school with Sally's husband. Sally worked with Jennifer. Oh, wow. Small world. Right. Yes. And Sally's job, and, and she worked with Jennifer when they worked at the the, the guard, the Hilton there mm-hmm. in Corvallis. So Sally's job was to put together big events. Mm-hmm. She's pretty darn good at it. Yeah. <laughs> so she just looked at her husband and said, let's find a way to help my friends out. And that's, then I met Sally. 
and we sat down and said, well, what do you got planned? We've got this thing at the, at the carousel. We started moving forward with it. And I said, well, kicking cancer, we'll work alongside you, mm-hmm. you know. And we were probably a full month and a half into the planning before I met Shiloh. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Interesting how those all just yeah, connected. Yeah, how everything does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll get a lot more into Ozzy's story in a little bit, but I do always like to bring you some shocking, shocking stuff. Yeah. And, and John and I were talking before we started recording. He's got some updated statistics from this. Um, this is from the National Institute of Health. It's a report that they put out. But the report they put out was 2018. So it's already five years old. Right. <clears throat> the report said that it's estimated that 15,590 children between the ages of 0 and 19 would be diagnosed with cancer. And... So they, they classify it as adolescent, which is 0 to 14. So the 0 to 14, it was estimated that year that 10% of those would pass away. Oh, wow. So 1,780 adolescents were going to pass away. In the adolescent category, the most common types of cancer are leukemia, mm-hmm. which is blood cancer, followed by brain cancer. Now, what I find intriguing is... There's a lot of really amazing groups here in Oregon. One of them is the Quanians, and they do stuff with Dornbeckers, and they help raise money so that the doctors at the Dornbeckers can keep doing research to find cures for these cancers, right? right? So the outlook for children in the 70s was a 58% survival. Wow. In the 70s. smokes. Because of a lot of this research... It had improved to an 85% survival, survival rate. by 2014, okay. which is 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it does say that because of the survival improvements, m- most recently brain has now replaced blood. They have found more ways to treat blood cancer than brain cancer. So now brain cancer is the number one childhood cancer, not blood. Okay. So this is the part that really ties in, and I want John to add some thoughts here. By contrast, survival rates remain very low for some cancer types. For example, half the children with diffuse intrinsic pontine glioma, which is a type of brain tumor, survive less than one year from diagnosis. Yep. Wow. But here's the good news. We're past one year. We are. We are. So tell us some updated statistics, John. So, so some of the other statistics of it is, you know, like you had mentioned, you know, the survival rate has increased over the years for, for blood and for brain. Uh, but essentially the, the treatments for brain cancer for DIPG are the same as they were 40 years ago because the research funding, because of, you know, health insurance coverage and all these other things but the uh, 5% of the kids that get DIPG will make it to two years and so right now we're, we're shooting for that 5% and that and of those 5% 2% of those potentially could live five years and that's new information and that's okay. and that's very <laughs> recently updated like just read that like maybe I was doing a little bit of homework hours ago. I was yeah, I was trying to do a little bit of homework and I saw that and I was like, Oh well that's that's good news. That's like, yeah, we'll that's great. That. We that's, will. It's hope. 
So let's let's back up for a second. When I I still remember the day I met Shyla and you were holding on to that one percent. Right. Right? Well now that one percent, he's past that one year mark. Right. But you're saying that the new data is saying it's five percent right. to the two year mark. Right. And if they if the if they make it to the two year right. then five percent of those make it to the five year mark. Correct. So we're making advancements in brain cancer. Absolutely. Um, the other thing I think we should probably rewind a minute for the listeners, and I'll let you describe this, John. You keep saying DIPG, which is a whole lot easier than saying diffuse intrinsic pontine glioma. Right. But do you can you explain why it's called diffuse intrinsic pontine glioma? So essentially, yeah, the way I think of it, I, I break it down into each word. And so diffuse means it's spread out. The intrinsic means it's it's in there. Like it's it's the best way to describe it is if you had a handful of sand and you take that sand and you throw it into a patch of grass. Like that sand represents the cancer. It's not connected, it's just all spread out. And so our job is what we're trying to do is grab all that sand out of out of the grass. Yeah. And uh, it's difficult because, you know, grass is, is grass and yeah. sand is sand. So we're picking up one piece at a time. And so some of the therapies that they do is obviously radiation is number one. And then, and then the chemotherapy is number two. Uh, we also have clinical trials, <clears throat> which is they're working with different types of chemo drugs, different types of, like, when we do radiation, are we doing radiation at the same time? Right. Um, there was the one clinical trial that we got to go to in Seattle was uh, CAR T-cell. Um, the, the CAR T-cell clinical trial helped, essentially, <clears throat> there's different mutations of the cancer. And we took his T-cells out, and we put a protein on that was trained to one of those mutations. So as we injected that back into him, the, the white blood cells would go in and they would recognize where the cancer was. And so with that grass-sand analogy, if, if the cancer's the sand, then we just trained an army of ants to go in and pick up the sand. Like, That's actually a really good description. Is- the, yeah. yeah. So the other thing yeah. you should because you did the first two words. Yeah. Pontine. So, pontine glioma. is a region of the brain. Pontine is the region of the brain. That's the brain stem. So diffuse. It's spread out. Intrinsic. It's in there. And it's pontine, the sand and grass analogy. Sand and grass. Okay. And then the pontine is the brain stem, and the brain stem is essentially the mind-body connection, the main highway for the rest of everything that you do. A part of the body you don't want. Yeah. And then glioma is, is, is the, the type of cell. So it's not the neurons. It's actually the, the cells that support the neurons. Okay. So it's like they, I mean, glioma kind of sounds like glue. Right. That's kind of where the root word comes from. And uh, I know that when we started, when we first started telling Aussie's story on the radio show, I brought a picture in to show Amanda uh, that pontine region, that back part of the brain, um, it's not attached to a bone, so they can't go in and cut the tumor off, which is why the survival rate has always been so bad with this type of cancer. Well, even am it, I right here though? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Even even in even in the last you know five years, doing a biopsy 
like going in and, and being able to take a sample, which is a requirement to do clinical trials, was something that was extremely dangerous, at least as far as science was at that point in time. Because you're poking a needle into the brain. Right, right into the central, you know, the, the nervous system, like the highway. Yeah. yeah. So um, they found out that it's not as dangerous. There are risks. Of course, there's always risks there's with always these surgeries. Risk, yeah. But when you're fighting something like this, you're having to weigh, you know, like, do we want to be on these clinical trials? Like, do we want to be able to understand what he has so that we can fight it better? How much can he handle? And and this? now they, they have uh, <clears throat> drug screenings where they can take that biopsy and then in a lab they can test it with each individual chemo drugs right. to see which ones he'll respond to best. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm going <clears> to <throat> back up an, a year again. I want to uh, ask Shiloh if you can share with me, because I know you and I had talked about this. It's it's early March, late February last year. What, you've got this little two-year-old boy, almost three, right? Mm-hmm. What was it? in every way. Right. So normal two-year-old going through normal growth. What happened for you to go, something's not right? So... It kind of like all started where things kind of caught our attention more. Um, We caught COVID in early February. And during COVID, um, Ozzy got a horrible fever. And uh, I went to check on him and his eyes went crossed. They just were crossed. And I'm like, what's going on? Like I started freaking out. And so when we get to the doctor, we were told that uh, it's strabismus, which is his crossed eyes, and that he probably was born with it. But he didn't have crossed eyes a month before that. Right. But they were saying that all of his, like, reserves that have been holding his eyes straight and fighting, keeping his eyes straight his whole entire life, supposedly, they went to fighting off the COVID. And And you didn't believe that story? No, <laughs> I hadn't, I just, it didn't seem right. So where did you go for a second opinion? So we went to an optomologist, how do you say it again, optomologist, the eye doctor. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> the eye doctor. The eye doctor. Let's use that word. The eye doctor. <laughs> and um, they were like, oh yeah, Ozzy, this is, this is definitely strabismus. And it looks like he needs a prescription for his eyes, but come back in six months. And I'm like, no, I need a MRI. I, we need an MRI. And I can't do it without you guys saying, let's do an MRI. Because at this <clears> time, we couldn't just ask the doctor. And I asked the doctor for an MRI. They're like, no, you need to have somebody... That has more of a professional. So you get an eye doctor telling your son needs glasses. What made you think to ask for an MRI? It didn't it just feel seemed, right. It, it was more than just the it eye. It didn't like, feel at, right. As as he, as we were walking down the road with this trabismus diagnosis, he was starting to stumble. He oh. was starting to. But slur. I thought it was because he had the diagnosis of crossed eyes, which wouldn't that make you kind of dizzy right. or whatever? Sure. So, I. But it just didn't sit well with me. It right. just I didn't think it was right. Mother's intuition. Yeah, no, and that's a big. That's a real thing. And they were like, "Oh, if you don't like what I have to say, 
which has come back in six months, then you can go see somebody else. So good thing you want to see somebody else. Well, we, <laughs> we ended up going home, and then later on, a couple days later, we went to Winco, and we were walking to the parking lot, and Ozzy was walking out like he was drunk. And this oh, is my wow. two-year-old. Right. One foot in front of the other, stumbling, like, and... I just, I look over at JJ, and I'm like, I got to take him to the emergency room. And we have two other kids at home, our, our oldest son and our young youngest daughter. And we're like, okay, you got to stay here and watch them, and I got to go do this by myself. Which, little did I know well, at the time open. what my night and what Ozzy's <clears throat> future was going to look like. Well, hold the uh, Ozzy's future thought for the second half. We're, we're right close to time and we're going to limit it. But hold that because we're going to talk about some more about Ozzy Future in a second. So we're going to wrap up really quick with a huge shout out to our sponsors for this first half of our show, which is Oddmo's Pizza. Make sure you guys swing in there tonight for dinner. And uh, Mark Creamer with Family Heritage Northwest. Mark is an exclusive agent with Globe Life, the Family Heritage Division, where they protect families from financial devastation, from cancer, and other serious illnesses. Mark can be reached at 503-341-4345 or online at familyheritagenorthwest.com. We'll be right back after these messages. 